say mate the ball. Maybe you can hum the theme song. Won't hold it against you if you get parts wrong. While the memory's not too strong, there's a piece of you from a time long gone. So while these fuzzy warm feelings remain, question we ask is still the same. Is it a treasure or just plain lame? Is this still good? Hello and welcome to another episode of Is This Still Good? I'm your host, Gavin Murray. You're the With host. Me, I have a co-host. Oh, I'm a co-host. Okay, <laughs> I'm Sage. I'm the co-host, I guess. We'll talk about this later. <laughs> and uh, today we're joined by two guests. Um, guests, would you like to introduce yourselves? Yeah, and double the trouble here uh, with the Perez brothers, uh, Hart Perez and... I'm Devin Perez. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here. So, who who are you? Where are you from? Why are you here? Can the system oh. handle four people? <laughs> we're going to try. Out. Yeah, no, we're uh, we're originally from the Bay and uh yeah, we're here to talk about the mask. Yeah, we got invited by you guys and uh yeah, we're really ex- excited. Yeah, to talk. <laughs> awesome. So, you 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 all are from is it Oakland or Alameda? Oakland. Yeah. Right? Um yeah, originally born and raised in Oakland. Right on. So, what was it like Growing up in, in, in Oakland, was Jim Carrey's face just everywhere, plastered and bright green? Gosh, you know, we were thinking about that. And I mean, we we're always big Jim Carrey fans. We were trying to figure out if we had seen the mask in theaters or not. And if we had, it would definitely have been at like Jack London Theater or um, what's it called? There used to be this old theater that was in um, Emeryville that like got bulldozed now. But uh Gosh, I mean, there wasn't like a pivotal moment where I remember seeing the mask and, you know, finding, you know, our new religion. But uh, (laughs) I felt like it was always there. And like, you know, it was kind of marketed towards kids. There were a ton of toys and like cartoon spinoffs, you know. Yeah, which is crazy because, I mean, there are condom jokes and like, I mean, Tex Avery has always been very kind of sexual in nature, which is definitely something they're hamming you over the head with is like, this is a Tex Avery live action movie. I, I remember it being kind of a kid's movie, too. And then I remember the condom coming out. He's like, oops, wrong pocket. <laughs> so, and I don't, I don't, you guys don't have to say your ages if you don't want to. But these, this movie came out in 94. Yeah. So I, th- I was so, five. <laughs> same. I was, Devin was seven and I was nine. So, okay. yeah, I mean, you know, it was kind of, I think, like the perfect movie for like a nine year old who has like never had a girlfriend or done anything to like, <laughs> you know, watch this total like adolescent fantasy, which, you know, obviously has problems today. But like you you watch it, you know, as a kid and you're like, wow, you know, I can't talk to girls like the mask. Is doing it, you know? <laughs> it yeah, is that's definitely... how I've been describing this movie to people, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's for nine year olds that have never had a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Cameron Diaz. You know, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I mean, this movie is rated PG-13, though, so I don't mean to question your parents' uh, parenting methods, but they would have been sneaking in a very young seven-year-old to a PG-13-year-old movie. <laughs> That's true. I think growing up, it was just like R was off the table, but mm-hmm. like everything else was like kind of muddy, and like Jim Carrey seemed innocent enough, you know? But then again, there was like those movies from the 80s where it's like... They're like PG, like the airplanes where you'd like sneak them in and there'd be like mm-hmm. nudity in them. And it just like, yeah, you was kind of a crapshoot there for a while. So, um, I, I think, it, yeah, yeah, I think, you know, PG 13 was not that old, I think, right. even at that time. So I think it was less than 10 years old. So I think our parents just said, as long as it was an R, I guess that was the, the cutoff point, you I know. Think- 
I think that's similar to what if you've grown was. up with like a PGR binary, and I'm talking about our, our parents here, mm-hmm. and they introduce a PG thirteen when you're in your thirties, like how do you <laughs> how do you how do you decide what that means for your kids or do you even care? Would you I just still stick don't. with a PGR binary? <laughs> yeah, I still don't know what the difference is there, really. Uh yeah, I get like one F word and I guess like no nudity so much. Or maybe just like no down nudity. I don't know. I think there's a lot of questions still going on with that. I always hear filmmakers always sending their films to get rated and they still have no idea why they get the ratings yeah. they do. They don't yeah, really I've... give you a strong reasoning and they basically don't even give you a chance to argue or discuss. It's just cut stuff out and resubmit or accept the rating. Yeah, they they. It's crazy that there's a there's a commission that decides the ratings, the uh, the MPAA, and it's it's made up of people who uh, don't really have accountability <laughs> for it or like any sort of consequences. But uh, yeah, as Gavin was was saying, uh, they will they will give you the recommendation and you can resubmit it, uh, but they they will not. They will not tell you why they chose what they chose. So, like, the the general knowledge is that you can have one F word in the movie. But that's not technically that's true. That's not actually a rule. That's not actually yeah. a rule. That's just And now we have Netflix and Hulu to, to like, to hell with everything. Like, yep. all rules are off, you know? Yeah, streaming it's... doesn't even technically have, like, the, the TV equivalent of ratings anymore, no. I don't think. Also, you can look up porn on your phone, so it's a different <laughs> yeah. <world. laughs> yeah. So, you think you saw it in 94, though? I'm pretty sure, because I, th- I think we might have had a toy or two, and, like, mm-hmm. we're very aware. I mean, yeah, just Jim Carrey and, <clears throat> you know, his whole library of stuff. I mean, I definitely remember, like, quoting it and acting silly. Yeah. And uh yeah, and it's just funny. It's just one of those movies that I mean, we were talking like even within the last couple of years, you know, I don't know if you saw that movie by like Tyga, his music video. It was like a Macarena spoof and he actually dresses up as the mask. This came out like this year. Oh. I mean, they had like the same effects in there. I mean, Gigi Hadid just dressed up as the mask. We saw in like TMZ last year. I mean, you saw the um Little Dicky show. Um what was it called? Uh, Dave. Dave. His name is Dave. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That's like the whole. That's the whole damn point. Of the yeah. Show. Exactly. What's yeah, his name? What, what's, again? His name? Uh, what's that artist? Um, yeah. But, but I mean, if you saw Dave, I mean, he's like making fun of the mask in there too. So I feel like it's still kind of, I don't know. It's in the back of like our little cultural memory there. So you're saying we're poised for a neo neo swing revival? <laughs> that was a good. That was a good. You know, dance number. We had to look it up and see. You know, uh, who was the band there? But yeah, that was that period in like the mid '90s with like the zoot suits, long yep. chains, squirrel nut zippers, big bad voodoo daddies, mm-hmm. the cherry popping daddies, probably some other daddies. A lot of daddies. A lot of daddies. Yeah. Daddies yeah. everywhere. Yeah, these daddies though. I don't know where their mamas were. But, like they, <laughs> to be a dad, they had to have a mom somewhere. Yeah. But, now you know. there's there's daddies now. There's daddies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> cherry popping daddies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Cherry oh, Poppins added new band. <laughs> I would I would pay money to see that cover band. I'm sure it would be a delight. Yeah, I think that's going to show up in a tweet in about two hours. So don't worry. So <laughs> we'll, we'll document it. It's been it's been interesting um, with like that that whole era. I was talking to my dad about it because I remember growing up with those albums kind of in heavy rotation. Actually, like uh, School Nut Zipper is hot. That album like mm-hmm. is a big part of my childhood, and you know. I never really got into ska, but I know like some people are trying to bring it back and maybe maybe horns are 
trying to weasel their way back into the into the limelight. You always got to look out for sneaky fucking ska. <laughs> we we yeah. we, yeah. we don't even get us started yeah, on like, ska right now <laughs> because we're we Weird. huge ska fans. I mean, oh, I could have gone either way. Huge. I mean, there's there's a bit there's a great documentary um, on ska. We we bought it on Amazon, but it like goes over all three waves. Everything you need to know. I think growing up, like. It was just so angsty in the 90s that we didn't even know what ska mm-hmm. was. It was just like gangster rap or like grunge, which we liked. You know, we liked both of those. But then there was this thing that we didn't even know, which is like happy music. And then, yeah, later we found out it was ska. So, <laughs> And the funny thing is, like, we grew up with a lot of the commies in the 90s. And the, most of those movies had like ska as like in the soundtrack. Yeah. So it was kind of funny just watching these movies over and over again. You just kind of fall, I think, fell in love with ska. So. Yeah, it's been weird as as we've gone back and watched so many things in the 90s for this podcast. I have noticed just the way that the movies sound. On top of everything else, like they, they're scored so differently, especially the comedies. It's been kind of crazy to, yeah. to revisit. I'm trying to think. Yeah. Like Kingpin. Because you don't notice that stuff growing up. Like, yeah. Well, and this movie is like one of the more kind of specifically dated that i think we've seen and i don't mean that in a negative way it's just like the the villains hairstyles i couldn't look away from the amount of like mullets and ponytails on grown men as like a threatening look was really hard for me to get used to yeah it really seemed like they did the pre-production in the late 80s and just got around to making it (laughs) filming it in 93 That'd be really funny to talk to a cop. Like, who beat you up? Oh, yeah, it was a group of ponytail men. You gotta find them. You know? <laughs> and it's funny because it seems like all the the goons or you know the bodyguards or whatever they are. Like, I mean, they're they almost feel like they're in a different movie. They're pretty. I mean, they're acting like pretty tough. Yeah, you know what I mean. And Jim Carrey is just. Right. I mean, it's a pretty cool little contrast to Jim Carrey's silliness. And that's kind of what this movie is about. Is like everyone's kind of in a different movie. Yeah. Some of them even in multiple movies. Um, like his his best friend is such a strange note <laughs> who yeah. just keeps coming in and being like, you know, you need a perfect girl, one with pouty red lips, red hair, <laughs> uh, green green eyes. It's, like, it's unfortunate that she's taken. <laughs> so, yeah. you guys, is this um, is the mask your your favorite of the Jim Carrey movies that you grew up with, or the one that resonated with Ooh. you the most? Or man, that's that's. I oh, think, you guys got quiet. Yeah, no. I mean, we, <laughs> that's I mean, a tough one. That's, I, I mean, it's I tough. Sure, like, I think as a kid, I'm sure I would say The Mask was my favorite Jim Carrey movie. But as, like, you know, get older from that time period, I probably looked to, like, Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, I mean, you can't really beat Dumb and Dumber. I, I think just as I was going to say, do you want to narrow it down to your favorite of 94? <laughs> yeah, I exactly. Know. Three <laughs> Jim Carrey there's, movies there's from three. 1994. I know, and it made his career. But I think, you know, as a kid, you were just kind of drawn to, like, the high concept of the mask, like being able to put something on and totally transform and, you know, do anything you ever wanted to do um, for better, or for worse. So, um, yeah. yeah, I think that idea kind of like appealed to us as like young kids, but I mean, I don't know. Jim Carrey has got so many different characters that, um, yeah, it'd be hard to, hard to narrow that down, but yeah, Dumb and Dumber is probably the best. I still, but like, it's funny to talk about that, you know, the 94 year, which is like the golden year for Jim Carrey. I still think about it. Like no one, I think in the history of films has ever had a better year than Jim Carrey than one year. I am trying to look into that. I'll throw out Nicolas Cage. Well, what year? Uh, 97. I mean, if you, if you're just kind of like a 12 month period, you could start with the rock, but con air and face off came out back to back and back to back. Yeah. 
Okay, I'll give you that back to back. It'd be interesting to measure box office, you know. Yeah, but like Jim Carrey had a dynasty. He had three hits. Like that's crazy. That's like I don't know. That's like the the Warriors going to five NBA championships in a row. It's like who who does this? Who does this? One. It's even followed up by like the fourth the movie that came out after that year was Ace Ventura: When Nature Calls, which is even better than the first movie. It's better. It's better. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize it was the first one that came out in '94. Yeah, the movie's not fantastic. (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's got some stuff going for it but it's also got a lot of problems and the second one is just so much better that was my favorite uh jim carrey movie growing up for me like for sure although dumb and Dabber and the mask it's funny that all three of those spawned off like a cartoon show as well there was like the ace ventura cartoon show there was even a dumb and dumber cartoon that makes show. sense and of course the mask so it's like I guess people just saw a cartoon character and they looked at Jim Carrey. Oh, man, I can't believe we didn't get an Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind animated series. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would have been phenomenal. Or, you know, it wouldn't have, but it could have been. Oh, that would have been I mean, and that the 90s were a crazy time for just pumping out TV shows, too. That's the alternate um, name of this podcast, right? The 90s were a crazy time. Because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, Bill and Ted had a TV show. Yeah. Um, Carmen Sandiego had like six different TV shows. I'm trying to think of like what wasn't adapted into a TV show. Louis Anderson then. had a TV show, which <laughs> was pretty hilarious. Yeah. Um, gosh, who else? I mean, uh, what's his name? Bobby's, Bobby's World. World with yeah, Howie yeah. Mandel. Howie Mandel had one. <laughs> I mean, Macaulay Culkin had one for like a year. Um, yeah, I'm sure there like was a, a Richie Risk, and, Richie Rich, and a Casper TV show probably as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Before we go too much further, someone should probably summarize this film. Well, I want to know, <laughs> um, Gavin, I mean, did you grow up with The Mask? I haven't heard from, from you about this much. So, I mean, I I think so. But, like, to me, it was just a pastiche of Jim Carrey. Like, again, it was just he was in so much stuff. Right. That, like, I think I definitely watched When Nature Calls more. And I also have seen... Uh, me, myself, and Irene, a surprising amount. Yeah. And then yeah. Dumb and Dumber, Liar, Liar. There was that period where it was all those movies, and then he just pops. It feels like he rears his head every once in a while into my consciousness. And I watch something, and I'm like, holy shit. This dude just has so much to give and keeps giving. Sage, you and I were watching Kidding last year, which is oh, yeah. Michelle Gondry directed, and it's some of the best television I've ever seen. Like, it's incredible. Yeah, if I'm going to make, like, an overall top 10 TV list, it makes it on there. I think it might also. The second season came out uh, this spring um, and was going through quarantine, and that helped keep me a little bit sane because that's living in a nice world. Jim Carrey's basically playing Mr. Rogers, and I'm such a fan of serious actor Jim Carrey who still has, like, the physicality that made us all fall in love with him as a comedian. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's worked really well in a lot of movies. It's worked terribly in a few movies. <laughs> I want to give it too much credit. Um, <laughs> so bef- before we, we jump into talking about the, the movie as a whole, I should probably mention this is my first time ever seeing The Mask. What? <laughs> I know. Now, that's nuts. That, that is crazy. That's, I mean, it made so much money. It was such a big hit. But Yeah, yeah I, I, didn't, I didn't give it any money, though. I watched it on, on Hulu last night. I think most of my <laughs> and I did grow I have seen most Jim Carrey movies. Um, yeah. in fact I was looking for like another Jim Carrey movie to watch to like compare and do like some supplemental research on and I actually couldn't find one I hadn't seen that I was interested in revisiting. Uh, but I think most of my life I actually had confused the mask with Batman Forever. <laughs> 
just oh, those characters yeah. put okay. together. I assumed the mask was was which I did see that as a kid, so I don't know how I went about this, but like those were the same movie in my head. He does wear a little green mask. Yeah, 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 yeah. shade of lime green. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's a, he's a masked character who's like doing outlandish physical comedy. Like he plays the Riddler almost the same way as he plays the mask. That's I true. mean, he plays. He plays most of his characters the same. Yeah, but that's amazing though. So, were you like ever at like a sleepover where they're playing the mask and you just like walked out or like I feel like I feel like you have to avoid it. Like it was. I feel like I had seen trailers and I just thought I had already seen the movie. Mm. And it's not like last week I realized I'd never seen the mask. Like I'd realized they were different movies through at least my twenties. Wow, interesting. So do you have a, did you have a fa- favorite Jim Carrey movie then growing up, or was I, he a little bit less of your childhood than us? Uh, Jim Carrey was was a lot of my childhood. I liked a lot of those movies, whereas I I didn't care too much for like the Adam Sandler comedies at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a there's a specific thing I've been thinking about where I've never been into adults acting like children as like a comedy source. Uh, so I could get behind Happy Gilmore, but like I hated Billy Madison, mm. and with the exception of like dumb and dumber like all of jim carrey's characters are at least they're exaggerated real people yeah like the jim carrey archetype might be like a little stunted but the comedy isn't um like stepbrothers or something else uh or, or like so many of those adam Sandler's. is this is this clear i'm seeing a lot of blank faces <laughs> No, 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 okay. no, no. It's funny I'm how you just like take away like half of the comedy that exists in the world. Where, <laughs> well, yeah, like, I did. Man acting as adult is like it's like I like I don't really care for that genre. It's like I'm thinking like that's almost half comedy, yeah, yeah, and I end up not liking half of comedies for that reason. That's funny. Um, so Step Brothers, you said like oh, I kind of hate Step Brothers. Oh, I think that movie's wow. mostly trash. The wow. thing to me though is now that brings up the conversation of Airplane. Sure. Yeah. So uh, why does the why does airplane work so well for me when it's just a bunch of jokes, most of them stupid, uh, with a little bit of plot moving forward, and that movie works perfectly right. for me. And there's so many similar things that that don't. And it doesn't work for me. And I like so many other types of that genre as well, like the Naked Gun series. Oh, yeah. I love. Yeah. But like, there's something about airplane that just doesn't. Hit oh, that's for crazy me. that you can like Naked Gun and not airplane. <laughs> I know. I don't understand it. And it, it is that, like, I know we're not going to get to the bottom of it because I feel like we've been trying for a good portion of our friendship. we get a little bit closer every time we have one of these conversations. <laughs> because another link in this chain that I specifically want to bring up based on that argument is Ace Ventura. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who, like, I know I, I haven't watched in years, um, but, you know, that is a specific type of, like, or also Peter Sellers in um, most of his movies, like The Pink Panther. Where it's this like almost idiot savant's not the right word, but like a genius fool mm. who like it's really hard to tell if he is just three steps ahead of everyone or like five steps behind <laughs> and ex- obscenely lucky. <laughs> um, That's interesting. Because that is also another rich part. And I feel like that is somewhere in between where it's like, yes, you have you've got this kind of spectrum of like a stunted person a person who's like what wavelength are they on and why are they succeeding at life when they seem like they shouldn't be and then um man i've forgotten what my my point it'll happen no man no you're, you're absolutely right i think it's tough there's just you know this time of comedy which was like the 90s 
like up until like Avatar ruined everything. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but no, didn't he produce you're, you're Step Brothers? Kind of, you're kind of coming out of Saturday Night Live. I mean, Jim Carrey is like in Living Color. Yeah, in Living Color. And these are all like characters that they've developed that have like sprung into movies. So it's like it is funny. Like even with Adam Sandler, he does play like similar type characters, but they're all they're all like different. You know, different flavors of man children. You know. I mean, flavors of angry. Yeah, I mean, right. some are more angry than others. Some are, you know, some really more like idiots. Popeyes fried chicken. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, we love like Sandler. The Water Boy is pretty fun too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly. Like Sandler, like Pauly Shore, Jim Carrey, uh-huh. like all these guys, like big, big kind of like characters. They're all a little different. I mean, I think when we saw Jim Carrey in. Um, What's it called? We went back and watched Ace Ventura. We were mm-hmm. surprised by like how confident and like how ahead of everyone else he was in that movie. And he's just like every woman is just like falling at his feet. Like it's so weird. Like it's the exact opposite of the mask. So he's right. got a lucrative um, pet I, I, detective job. That's, that's yeah. <laughs> It's so weird. Like, I was just like, I don't remember him being this, like, Casanova. Like, and so, you know, you're right. And, and then and with the mask, bring it back, it's, like, totally different. He's, like, this nebbish, like, insecure, you know, you know, maybe a little perverse, like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. underneath the uh, the surface. But uh, he's yeah. got a bank job. Come on. Yeah. yeah. He's, like, six foot. You know what I mean? He's doing like, all right. <laughs> he the, should the, be okay. The other thing I wanted to bring up, actually, that I, I forgot, the, the, the end of that spectrum that I was trying to get to was Liar Liar. Uh-huh. Where you've got a person in a failed relationship trying to hang on to you know a relationship with their with their son, uh, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, That's right. And I remember watching that movie a lot. And I'm, I'm from my, my parents are divorced, and like seeing a rather nuanced and very silly and like '90s magic, like the universe has stopped this lawyer from being able to lie because his he broke too many promises to his kid. Like that's a really serious kind of topic to tackle is like lying to your kid and not being there for them in like a very tumultuous point in their lives. And all of a sudden you can't like, you need to set aside your job because you literally can't do it without spending time with your kid. Like it's a really kind of sad and beautiful thing that they're trying to, I don't know, tackle. And you're still throwing Jim Carrey at it. And I don't know if what he does is nuanced necessarily, but like he works in these kind of strange, varied roles where he's not doing. I, I'm not sure his range is like that obvious, mm-hmm. but it's interesting that he works in these different situations. I guess I'm trying to say, I don't know. Yeah. He's a great actor. Yeah. I agree. He's, <laughs> no. no, he's really good in that film as well. I think that's, beginning of where you start seeing him start taking on like heavier roles i think a little after that i think that i don't know when that movie came out like 98 maybe but then yeah. he starts taking like man on the moon and um eternal sunshine and then what's that other one the truman show i'm oh, sure yeah. Truman show it was like yeah. 1999 you know and so like i think he wanted to spread his wings too and i think those roles were kind of like the in-between you know of you know liar liar was like a great way of being dramatic and comedic at the same time yeah for someone who is like maybe the highest paid actor at the time which is crazy to think of like these represent real risks when he's not just Mm -hmm. making you know fairly comedies or uh who who did this chuck russell um so as we as we start to focus in on the mask uh i want to kind of all right so this movie mostly doesn't work for me 
And I'm, I'm only saying this because by the end of the podcast, I want to either be convinced otherwise or I want, <laughs> I want to figure out why. Because <laughs> I've thought about mm-hmm. this a lot and I don't have a strong premise for why the mask mostly doesn't work for me. I wonder if it's because you're 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 over ten years old and have had a girlfriend before. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm out, nine years old. Right, you're out. <laughs> <laughs> this movie's not made for you. Yeah, dude. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure I would have loved it if I had seen it at nine. Well, let's let's hear your yeah. your your. Now that you've expressed your distaste, do you think <laughs> that do you want to try and summarize the film? Or? Sure, it's always worked well <laughs> so far. <laughs> All right, so uh, Mask is a 1985 Peter Bogdanovich movie that is the biopic <laughs> of Rocky Dennis, uh, a man with dysplasia. All right, what you're? I get. I'm getting blank faces again. <laughs> what did I do wrong? Another classic. I, I came. Pre- so, <laughs> oh, you are still talking about the uh, about the movie we've been talking about. Jim Carrey vehicle. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like. The Room versus Room. Yeah. It's kind of different. The early mm-hmm. 90s mask movie. All right, let me try it again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, it's a 1940s Gotham. Okay. A number of the <laughs> of Gotham's criminal leader being picked off, and Batman is, oh, no, I did it again. That's Mask of the Phantasm. <laughs> <laughs> Deep cuts. All right, so The Mask is a 1994 Jim Carrey vehicle based off of a Dark Horse comic uh, where he plays Stanley Ipkiss, uh, a bank teller, who is who is a nice guy. Can't stress this enough. The movie can't stress this enough. He's a nice guy. There's no yeah. problems with this whatsoever. Um, <laughs> and he finds a mask in the river that is actually the mask of the Norse god Loki, god of mischief. And it gives you the... What's the actual power? It um, fulfills your fantasies? It, it makes you who you want to be inside, which for it, Stanley like, Imkus is a man who loves cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> and he decides to be a superhero. Uh, and he starts by immediately robbing a bank. <laughs> yes. And he gets involved in, in, in wacky hijinks with the local mob. Uh, and the mask is a character who can pull all sorts of magic items out of his pocket and jump around and dodge bullets to jazz numbers. I don't know. I think I did better than I usually do, Gavin. <laughs> <laughs> I like well, it. Also, also, he can not dodge bullets and uh, drink, was it orange juice, and just spill <laughs> orange juice from all his bullet holes that riddled body. He do a lot of things. The, He's the a living rules cartoon. of the story world are very unclear. <laughs> exactly. That was one thing that we were talking about, like, uh, yeah. you know, the other night. We're like, huh, are there any limits to his power? Or is it kind of like Green Lantern-esque? You just imagine uh-huh. it and it happens, you know. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, all the rules kind of seem off. The limit appears to be, which I had not noted, or I did not remember from watching this before, is the mask only works at night, apparently. I That's, know. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> which is very expositionally told to us. And then everyone just knows it. Like one person posits like, maybe it doesn't work during the day. And then everyone knows it. There's a lot of exposition in this movie, period. Yeah, there, 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 are, there is. Um, the parts that I would, I would bring up that you may be uh, skipping over in, a little bit is, is we have, we're introduced to Damien, I believe is his name. Is it Damien? The villain. Dorian. Dorian. Uh, one of those D-Ian names. 
uh, Dorian, Dian. local <laughs> mob, like second tier guy trying to make his way up, who plots a bank heist before the mask breaks in and does it first, um, who has been given a week to get out of town by the actual head of the local mob. Um, and Dorian's dating a lounge singer who helped them case the bank that Stanley Ibkiss works at, uh, played by Cameron Diaz, who everyone falls in love with like instantly because she's smoking. You can tell how <laughs> good at my job I am by the fact that I went through an entire summary of The Mask and didn't mention Cameron Diaz. <laughs> wow. First film. Introducing. Yep. Is it really? It, I mean, it says yeah, introducing Cameron film. Diaz right in the oh. Yeah. Wow! Yeah, is, we did a little reading. Apparently, she had an audition like twelve times for it, or something like that. It was pretty wild. Before she was just modeling, and I guess after this, this you know broke her way into all the films we'd come to see afterwards, like something about Mary. Yeah. I know you, you can thank Charlie's Angels and yeah, something about Mary. It, it all comes mm-hmm. back to the mask. Bad right? teacher. Wow. You 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 could <laughs> thank those, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, Dor- Dorian then proceeds to steal the steal the mask and uh put it on himself becoming super dorian uh and then straps cameron diaz to a fixture with a bunch of dynamite in a final showdown in which the mask uh stanley ibkiss as a mere mere mortal man has to take on uh super dorian and eventually him his dog who's then wearing the mask at some points and the cops do take down the local mobsters and save the day. I also didn't talk about Milo the dog, the real star of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, damn, that is a well-trained Yeah, dog. I, I wanted it more was. of the dog and less of the mask, if I'm being completely honest. <laughs> like, that was so much more impressive to me. Well, this is also, you know, and I feel like from here on we can kind of bounce around a little bit in terms of topics. But one thing I want to talk about, too, is, like, this is 94 and it is a special effects heavy movie. And it yeah. feels like I'm trying to think of other movies around this period, like Casper and Flubber come to mind. Sure. As that kind of like semi translucent CG, like soft and slick thing that's happening in this era, which is mostly in this movie, like the big things are there are transition or not transition, transformation uh-huh. sequences for several different characters, always accompanied by a bunch of lightning strikes. Yeah, I kept expecting the movie to kind of hide those transformations and have them off screen, and it almost never did. No, and there's like the final one where I think uh, Stanley Epkis is putting on the mask, like maybe the last time, and it cuts away, and there's lightning strikes. And I was like, oh, maybe they ran out of money. Maybe (laughs) maybe they're hiding this one. And then they cut back to him for like... The most uh, extravagant of the transformations where his like, eyes are popping through the mask as he's ripping it off. Um, yeah, it's wild. It is wild. I mean, you know, we were talking about that. Like, do these effects, like, hold up? Um, done by ILM, right? Yeah. And uh, I don't know. We were thinking that, yeah, you know, they are, like, you know, you're not going, like, photorealistic. But the fact that, no. you know, Stanley Ipkiss is interested in cartooning that's part of, you know, his consciousness is it or whatever. And that like, you know, there is this playful quality that go along with Mm -hmm. the VFX. Like he's not bringing out like real guns. Like sometimes they transform to real guns. Right. But other times he has these huge, like cartoony, like, you know, 60, 80 guns, like taped together. I don't know. 
of it kind of like worked for us and like in this timeless quality where I feel like if you're trying to go a little bit more photorealistic, you know, I think you're going to fall short like 25 years later. But well, that's also like you're saying, it's just not the point of what they're going for, because like he is a living cartoon. He's supposed to look silly. It's not supposed to be terrifying that he has these giant guns that shoot the little bang flags. Mm-hmm. And even when he like turns that because there's an early scene where he's being attacked by muggers and he uh, is sets up a, a booth and starts doing balloon animals. Yeah. And then one of them turns into a Tommy gun. But like he's standing in front of a crowd of like 11 people and lets loose with an automatic machine gun and doesn't kill anybody. Like that's not what this movie is trying to be. <laughs> no, it's true. It's yeah. trying to attract nine year old, uh, celibate. Children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no man. I, I totally agree. I think it's all tone, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and we were talking about it and you know, ways you could remake this. Obviously you could go darker. You know, we were looking at, the you know reading about the original comics apparently they they were much darker like i mean like murdering people like terribly wow. yeah the comic book was all about this guy called the big head killer and <laughs> okay. he would just mur- like is is it called the mask or is it called i think it's, I think it's big called head big head killer? and there's a guy called big head killer trying big, to kills him oh the big oh. head killer or, or sorry, i think he's called big head okay but like i mean he was just murdering like uh, apparently like in that scene where he like kills where he sticks those um, exhaust pipes in the the rear oh, end yeah. the automotive guys. That was pretty That's graphic. Pretty, yeah, like, no, pretty no. Rough. But he murders them in the comic books, apparently. Mm-hmm. So we were just like, oh, interesting. They're trying to, you're right. You know, it's it's violent, but it's also like, yeah, this PG-13 level of violence that, yeah. Right. That's kid, the R-rated version. Where, exactly. Uh, the muffler <laughs> I mean, I wanna, all the way up. Though. I want to see that movie bad. <laughs> we'll get to that in our reboot section. <laughs> well, that's the other thing that's interesting, too, because like Har was saying, that apparently the comics were darker. And originally, I guess the idea of this movie was supposed to be like uh, a, a new franchise for horror films, potentially. Because oh, wild. Because even the director of this film, like I think the film before this was... Uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street 3, the Dreamcatchers. Mm-hmm. Dream Warriors. Dream Warriors. Yeah. And so I think that's why they originally brought him in, because they knew he had already done such a horror film. But I think he read the comics and like, oh, this is just a little too much for me, mm-hmm. and said, let's just make it more like a rom-com. And next thing you know, we got the mask that we have today. Yeah, and then you have Jim Carrey. It's like, you gotta you gotta use Jim Carrey for his comic chops here. Yeah, well, I wonder where that happened in that conversation then. Because if you're going from like a really horrific like source material, when do you like, you know, I think we need Jim Carrey for this. <laughs> I, I think, you know, f- from what we understood, you know, when they were adapting it, like tonally, it just didn't translate perfectly as a horror film. And I think mm-hmm. they started lightening it up with jokes. And then once Jim Carrey got involved, they kind of did like another rewrite. But, you know, we, we've talked about this and like thought about it. Like the script as is we couldn't really imagine any other actor playing the mask aside from Jim Carrey. I mean, maybe you have like a young Robin Williams. What about Jamie Kennedy? Oh yeah. (laughs) Of course. Yeah. The the son of the mask. We're actually also big Jamie Kennedy fans. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So that's a whole nother tangent. Saw him at Cobbs. (laughs) Saw him at the improv. Devin read his biography. Why? Uh, Quite interesting. Yeah. We got an autographed copy of Malibu's most wanted. Uh, The list goes on and on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But I liked Malibu's Most Wanted. That's a fun movie. <laughs> it's fun. I got to go back and watch that one. That, that's on the list. But uh, yeah, man, I was like, I don't know who else could have played the mask as written. I mean, the lines smoking, somebody stop me. You know, we've always like played with this like sketch idea in our mind yeah. where it's like a table reading of the mask. 
Because, like, on paper, like, the script just must have been silly. Like, I mean, dumb as in, like, who could deliver these lines? Right. It's that, that physicality that he brings is hard to quantify in terms of, like, that's... There, there are certain scripts where, like, style is such an important part. Um, and it's almost like this is just Ace Ventura... Or not Ace Ventura. Uh, <laughs> Jim Carrey is such an important part of, like, what this movie is. It's really hard to separate the final piece from, like, him in any way, shape, or form. Well, it's funny you brought up the special effects and, you know, how much they work and they don't work. But apparently I was reading that the director, there was supposed to be a lot more special effects shots needed for to complete this film. But Jim Carrey was such an animated actor mm-hmm. that it cut down on a lot of it. Just by his pure moving of his body and Fair how enough. he kind of moved around the dance floor. They're like, you know what? It works. So they actually cut down on the special effects, just I mean, hiring Jim Carrey. Even looking at the, like the Cuban Pete number where he's just like kicking yeah. his legs like higher than his head. And like, it's, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's impressive for us. But yeah, once again, we probably have the nostalgia glasses on. That's, oh yeah, they're, they're, that's... they're bolted. <laughs> that, that scene really worked for me. I know Sage, we were talking about it and it maybe wasn't one of your mm. favorites, but when uh, Jim Carrey, or the mask is on the run and run like proceeds to escape from the park and board up this like maybe ten foot high fence. I'm into this part. Uh, comically, yeah, that's great. With like boards and stuff, and then turns around, braces himself for a breather, and then realizes he's facing like eight cop cars and a SWAT team, and just like basically a whole precinct is in front of him, and he pulls out some maracas and starts dancing. And all of them find themselves unable to resist the rhythms. <laughs> so that's I do I do love that. By the time that the uh, the police department gets magicked into being a part of the song, but then you have like a minute yeah. where it's just it just feels like the movie's stopping to let Jim Carrey do his thing, uh, which happens a lot in the movie, and it shouldn't be a bad thing, but it, it somehow draws somehow the mask draws me out of the mask pretty frequently. <laughs> You mean like the makeup itself? Or? No, I just mean uh, when he's doing almost like Robin Williams asides. Um, I don't, I don't mm-hmm. know if I'm going to be able to to explain this well, but I think of uh, I think of a slightly earlier scene uh, where he's in the lounge and he's just done the dance number with Cameron Diaz and all the all the mobsters start shooting at him and he he pretends to be shot and that's like. Two or three minutes oh, I of loved the that fucking scene so movie. Much. I hate it. <laughs> I hate yeah. that moment. When he's doing rapid costume changes and like so, he's, quotes from first other he's movies. Just, and... First he's just dodging. Yeah. Then he turns into like a a Spanish bullfighter and he's like dodging the bullets with his red uh, cape. And then he turns into a Western cowboy who's like doing the dance over like someone shooting at his feet. And then he fake gets hit and walks over and does like the cowboy dying uh scene for quite some time a long long time and like the mobster Into holding the him point... crying and just like i don't yeah because it's a it's a moving performance so much so that the audience that you didn't know was <laughs> below the, <laughs> below the frame stands up and starts applauding and someone presents him with an oscar uh which you know the real jim carrey never got um i think this is why <laughs> <laughs> not, not nominated, nominated, right? He's been nominated. Was he nominated? He, 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 I, 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 I don't he, think for this role, but he's been nominated, obviously, in his was, life. No, no, not for this role. Was he for... I think, no, he got he, nominated he for a Golden Globe. Yeah, he's, he, he's won two Golden Globes. Golden Globe. 
Okay. Or okay. It wasn't for a man, man, man on the moon and the Truman moon. show. But well, no, I mean, I don't know. I, I think I, that stuff, I guess it's just like, if you like Jim Carrey hamming it up, like this is definitely the movie for yeah. you. If you don't, then it's just like, it's going to be painful. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. I, I love the, the Cuban Pete like dance number. Like it's kind of funny. It's kind of like, it reminds me of like some of those Beetlejuice moments where they're like, totally. Yeah. 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 Where they take these like songs that like you didn't really think about before. And now they're like indelibly attached to this movie. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know from what we were reading too, it was like, apparently like that dance number, the producers hated. And like you said, Sage, it slows it down. It doesn't really add to the story. But, you know, when they were screening it, like the audiences like fucking loved it. And it's been in there ever since. So, yeah, you're right. It doesn't make any sense, but it's like fast food. I don't know. It just tastes good to us. And I yeah. think we're probably going to have this law conversations even discussing this movie. It's like, I thought that was funny. Uh, this was kind of like, uh, not that great. But that's the thing we and Hart always talk about. It's like we obviously work in comedy and we try to make comedic shorts and uh, commercials and comedy is very odd because like i said it either tickles your funny bone or it doesn't and some people will laugh at you know peter sellers or you know jim carrey or am sandler or whoever seth rogan some people just find them like awful and yeah. that's really interesting because we always talk about this as comedy mm-hmm. it's like either you love it or you hate it but drama you can probably get people in a dramatic situation probably like like, you know, if you saw a speeding train and, like, a baby on the track, I think everyone's going to be like, I wasn't really feeling anything. I think everyone's going to feel something. Yeah. Versus comedy, it's like, it, it, it either hits or it doesn't. Yeah, someone dying of cancer is always tragic. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, always. But, like, yeah, Jim Carrey, like, winning a fake Oscar for, like, a fake death. It's like, <laughs> maybe you find that funny. Maybe you don't. You know what I mean? I just mean? think, but, like, uh, the movie would have been so much better served without moments of that or with sequences that were just shorter, period. Sure. I know the movie would be like sixty those minutes are the heart long then. Of but... the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's the that, heart of the film. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it just do those parts better. I'm not even saying get rid of them. I'm saying like write better things. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> no, no, no. No, I, I definitely It's yeah. like what is you know, what is airplane with like the, the jive the jive, I speak jive scene? It's like you can't take that away from Why airplane. would I? It doesn't further the plot. Exactly. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like those are those bits are like the core of this type yeah, of well, airplanes also a spoof based. movie and it, it has slightly different rules no that's true yeah we were thinking the difference between like yeah spoof movies and then like uh, we were talking about snl kind of like character based movies and then yeah now we have all these improv based movies um yeah all slightly different flavors of comedy for sure do you guys know what airplane is spoofing uh, i think it's a movie called like airport 1971 it's like literally almost like the sequences that are airplayed are almost shot for shot from another like early 70s thriller. Do you guys have reference for that? We we don't, but I'll, <laughs> I'll take your word, Sage. I mean, yeah, I've like... always seen Airplane a handful of times, but um, no, I, I totally believe it. It's just funny, like growing up for us, oh. like we saw actually... Most we saw most parody movies before we saw the real movie. I feel so, that. Yeah. So we saw Mafia before we saw Godfather. We saw Don't Be a Menace before like Boys in the Hood mm-hmm. or anything else. Like we saw Hot Shots before Rambo. We saw. I've seen like, Hot Blue Shots Frame and Roger still Rabbit. haven't seen Rambo. 
Who Framed Roger <laughs> Rabbit before Chinatown, which isn't yeah. like a, you know, it's not a smooth no, no, movie. It's yeah, pretty yeah. on, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, all that stuff. Well, so. that's the thing that's so funny, because we talk about that. Like, we kind of lived in this postmodern era of films, where the, a lot of the films are referring to other films. And it's funny to watch the original source material, because you're just like, oh, this is just like a non-funny version of Don't Be a Menace, you know? Well, right, know, which I saw last you know? week. So, or Menace to Society. Oh, did you? I finally saw uh, and now oh, I saw Menace to Society. Be a now that I've seen like the oh, movies, okay. it's actually lampooning. Yeah, uh, I had I had a backwards correction. It's uh, it's a parody of a mostly a 1957 movie called Zero Hour, which also has the exclamation points. But there were like three or four movies just called Airport in the 70s. See, I did not know that movie was. Yeah, a no, it is. It's very anything. much like I just assumed it was a dumb movie about model, airplanes, but it's. It's also like spoof movies aren't generally like a parody of one specific movie now. They take tropes of the whole genre. And this is pretty much like here's one movie, but we've added a lot of jokes and flashbacks. I just love to think of the directors and artists who like watch a movie and think like, like, I'm going to destroy this movie with a comedy. I'm going to parody. You know what I mean? Like that always makes me laugh to myself. Like, you know, Mel Brooks, like Robin Hood Men in Tights. You know, he just. You know, obviously oh, Robin Hood's been around forever. Yeah. But I, think, I saw that before I saw Robin Hood, though, for sure. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just like, it's just funny to think of those types like, oh, I'm just going to make a whole movie making fun of this movie. Like, yeah. that's kind of funny thing to think about. <laughs> well, and that's like, there was that time in the, was it the, 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 the Wayans brothers basically discovered they could fund anything they wanted to do if they just put not another... Or like scary movie, scary movie, <laughs> or like yeah. There's so um, many of those epic movie, disaster movie. I don't know if those are specifically like Wayne's yeah. produced, but dance movie. Uh, I've seen almost none of them because I hear abysmal things, and they all have zero to ten yeah. percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Not another teen movie is a movie I, I grew up on that I really loved. That yeah. movie's great. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. the scary movie, like the first two, were kind of fun, but I think I somehow. I'm trying to remember. I, I I probably seen Scream before I saw those movies, but I definitely didn't see The Ring before I saw Scary Movie Three or right. whatever. Or my yeah. favorite of those. Uh, 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 I can't remember the Dewey Cox movie parody. Walk Hard. Oh, Dewey oh Cox walk, hard. walk Hard. That is like a yeah. perfect parody, and it's worth <laughs> revisiting now that you've watched the thousand music biopics. Which I think I'd only seen Ray at that time. <laughs> yeah, not another teen movie though. I was to say is one of our by far like top five comedies of all time for us. That is top five, but yeah, yeah it's up there. It's, it's, it's hilarious. Okay, it's five point five. I say yeah. it's, it's so good. <laughs> well, and it's interesting when those movies are covering you know parodies basically because like that's like Chasing Amy or not Chasing Amy. Um, shit, what's the what is the can't hardly wait mm-hmm. is yeah. like that's already a comedy like the sure. people are making fun yeah. or like clueless um all those movies you know they are kind of making fun of their characters in a very earnest way and then a lot of those movies just kind of take away that like warmth almost <laughs> um and sometimes that works sometimes it doesn't because like even scream is like a hilarious film like it's really funny and it is a you know it's, it's a satire of like the series that it also is kind of completing and mastering at the same time is drawing like a funny conversation about it. So that was weird to like take that. And I know I've seen not only scary movie, but there's a movie just called shriek, which is the worst. It's like an even worse version of like, imagine scary movie. If it wasn't well-crafted and masterful, (laughs) Uh, 
can't think of better terms. Is that the one that's like Shriek? If you still know what I did last summer, well, it's like a really long title. Oh, yeah. Tom Arnold's oh, in God. it. Like there's, Ooh, that is, there's a deep asa- asylum style barrel of spoof movies. If you if you really look into it, so it's like we'd... a parody of <laughs> scary movie. So it's like a parody of a parody. Yeah, so it's a drama. Yeah, <laughs> well, so equal positive. Yeah, I'm curious. So this comes off, and you've already mentioned uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And, you know, we've uh, talked about um, Space Jam. I've still never seen Cool World. I kind of meant to watch it for this one to just kind of really go further into, like, what does a live-action cartoon look like? Um, Because I feel like there was just this time in the 90s where people were really trying to figure that out. And I feel like that hasn't been, and maybe I'm just out of touch, but, like, what has that turned into more recently? There's a great uh, TV show called Son of Zorn. Oh, oh yeah, it was very funny. That only got one season, like all good TV shows, as they should. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, that's uh, one where about like there's a He-Man type character who is animated, who has a son in the real world. So that was really interesting. That was fun. I did watch. I watched that too, where it's like He He Man's still trying to work things out, kind of, and stay in his ex wife's life so he can raise his son, who's being raised in suburbia rather than battling the. Uh, you know, I, f- I forget what his home world's called, but yeah. you know, <laughs> goblins, uh, endless bad <laughs> yeah. guys. Yeah. yeah, I meant to check. That's Will Arnett, right, voicing it. Yeah, I yeah, I right. meant to check that yeah. out. Uh, the trailers and everything. I couldn't get past the the actual animation and CGI, like the long history of mm-hmm. uh, CGI in TV, sh- like CGI characters in TV shows. Uh, by my measure, is not good. <laughs> but I also did not grow up with reboot or Beast Wars or anything like that. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, I think what was cool about Son of Zorn, though, is that it was just like, you know, they weren't trying to trick you or anything. It was just like straight, flat 2D yeah. animation. Um, yeah. In, in a, you know, in a real world scenario. So they didn't try to cool. sneak Ska cool. in there. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> always <laughs> sneak Ska in there. What else? What else has been good out there? You know, it's hard to say, but, you know, the, the, it's funny you bring that up. Is I, I think that needs to be, I love to see more of that. I love to see those blending of worlds where there's two worlds kind of coming together. And usually that's the anime world or the cartoon world trying to break into one or the other. I, I, I love these films growing up and I'm surprised. Yeah. I think, you know, you brought, brought up Cool World. I think it was one of those films that kind of like shut that door a little bit. <laughs> because, yeah, yeah it's, not, it's not well thought of. I, I've, I've been meaning to check it out under, you know, what's the word? Cu- more curiosity than in, in anticipation of having it. I'm down to do a Cool World episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll find the one person who liked that movie. and uh, I mean, it's got to be. It's still know, a Brad Pitt movie at the end of the day. There's going to be someone out there who loves it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just get Brad Pitt on well, the show. Well, they are coming out with Space Jam too. I think next. Year, I mean, so that's right. Have a little more. Yeah, yeah. I'll believe that when it <laughs> what happens. What you think it's not? <laughs> I'm sorry. I've heard about a yeah. Space Jam too for most of my adult life. Production happened though, didn't it? Yeah. I believe they're yeah. they're fin- they're in post. What? Yeah, it's, I think they are. It's happening. Like, I think did they already film it? Yeah. I don't know if they already. I think they might have. Yeah. yeah. So and theoretically, that's a movie you could film in, in COVID. You can give all those green screen people just masks. They're gonna put them out anyway. <laughs> it's like one or two people in a studio, like Avatar style. <laughs> like it's basically the same filming rules. Well, and, and so those are part of it too. Is like so Looney Tunes did just come back. Like Looney Tunes is being they're making new episodes with HBO Max. Looney Tunes was also the basis for the mask. It was the basis for Space Jam. 
Um, Roger Rabbit, I believe, is also is that Disney or is that Lo- Looney Tunes? Looney Tunes or Warner so Brothers? Like, yeah, right? Warner Brothers. That's why they're on HBO. Yeah, so Warner Brothers was really the ones who've been kind of more tied to that. You know, Mary Melodies hasn't really made the comeback that maybe Disney would want it to. But um, yeah, and and the, the physicality of those, like, I. I, I've had friends who are parents talk about like showing the Looney Tunes stuff to their kids and like going over kind of mixed, like they still like it, but I, I don't know if it, the media that we're inducted into is, it's just such a big river that like we can swim in now compared to like when I was a kid, I didn't have cable and I was like stealing whatever I could see at friends' houses or my parents would rent me from the VHS or from like Tower Records. So I wonder if that's changed our appetite if we're growing out of cartoons faster. Oh, do you, the, the, these parents you're talking about, they just, they don't care for, they just don't find them funny or they find them too violent or they find them. The kids don't like them. Like the kids them. just don't like them. I think it's just that the kids are, are moving faster towards other things. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to compete know. with like Daffy Duck when you have like kids on TikTok, like jumping yeah. off two story buildings, like into trash cans. It's like, all right. That's that's Looney Tunes not come back as a Quibi show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, the funny thing is, I, I think you know, uh, the like we we saw Looney Tunes growing up as kids. These are like just reruns they just show on TV. But as I understand the history of animation, is that animation you know they put a lot of money back in the '40s and '30s as mm-hmm. these things were actually viable, and then they kind of like animation disappeared for a while, and then they kind of came back in the '80s just to sell like cereal and toys. But those animations were pretty like sterile. They're just like not moving at all. So I think the Looney Tunes yeah, actually look like pretty damn good. Eight frames per second, twelve yeah. frames per second. So the yeah. Looney Tunes still look pretty good. But now animation has had a huge revival in the '90s, and it has never really stopped. So I think right, like the Disney era. Yeah. So I think just animation looks so good now that it's like you know, it's hard to compete too. You know. I think like themes are so much more sophisticated now, like in in modern cartoons, whether they're made for like children mm-hmm. or adults. I mean, I feel like. Stuff on Cartoon Network you can enjoy by you know both kids, kids and adults basically. But uh, well, that was that golden era too of like '90s cartoons becoming a lot more subversive. You had like um, you know Ren and Stimpy, uh, Rocco's Modern Life, um, all these you know these things that were like somehow funded by Nickelodeon and Cartoon Network, and that was kind of the '90s were just kind of a more rebellious time, you know. WWF was in the Attitude Era, like it was just uh, <laughs> different. Uh, and now, going on. Hollywood, <laughs> but now it's like, and that's something interesting too. Is like we are kind of in a reboot series in terms of Disney, who is still like leading the way financially and and in animation wise. That turned all their guns towards remaking those '90s mm-hmm. classics with CGI. And eventually they'll run out. They've still got a lot to go through. But uh, well, eventually we're going to go Lion King movie that's actually just filmed with cats. <laughs> like they'll have to go back the Lion other way. Lion King two and a half D or one and a half D. <laughs> it's going to be a while yeah. for them to run out with all the properties they really have. But if they put out two a year, like yeah, yeah, it's funny. You guys talking about Disney properties and Who Framed Roger Rabbit? We went back and watched it not too long ago, and it's crazy because the licensing at that time. You know, I think what's it called? Roger Rabbit was like an original character for that movie, yeah. Yeah, and based on a book, based on a book. But there's like a lot of you know Warner Brothers characters in it. However, towards Mm -hmm. the end, they incorporate Disney characters as well, and so it's crazy because you'll see scenes that you'll never see again. Donald Duck and Daffy Duck going at like a piano battle, like fighting it out. 
like oh, Mick, Mickey and like Bugs Bunny, like stuff that you can never do again because all these camps are just so entrenched, you know, with their IP. I mean, sure. I mean, yeah. there's, there's a lot of Money examples talks, of like, I think about like how Wreck-It Ralph got this pantheon of video game characters that are owned by different people or uh, to go within video games. Like the last couple of Super Smash Brothers have been like, oh, here's like 30 characters that other people own, but you can now play around with. I think there's still no Waluigi, so yeah. let's talk about that for a second. If we don't mind, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no opinion on that, but okay. <laughs> but I'm just talking about the the Disney IP. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. You kick around Sonic yeah, the Hedgehog, so we... but you know Mickey Mouse is Mickey Mouse. Exactly. As so we read about it, it was at the time I guess with Disney, they had done so many terrible films like The Black Cauldron that they were willing to like rent these characters out just to make a buck. And then they had yeah. the second revival, and they're like, oh, "Actually, we love all these characters." Never now. We, now we own Star Wars, and <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. we'll never we'll never be in need again. Um, yeah. That's actually something you brought up. That's that's interesting because I was trying to rack my brain around like first, like what live action cartoons would look like now, and the film that I didn't see that came out recently that got decent reviews, surprisingly, and also had Jim Carrey kind of playing a cartoon in it again was Sonic. Um, you didn't see Sonic? I feel like that I, that was made for Gavin. I missed it. I, I yeah, was I very unsure. I was enjoying I was enjoying the news run coming up to it. Like the fact that they redesigned the character was fascinating. But I don't know. I didn't I didn't get sold on it. Did you all see it? Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. No, we we, <laughs> we saw it. I mean, I think we had I had pretty low expectations. So yeah. it was like pretty fun for us. Mm-hmm. And then Jim Carrey kind of coming back to form with his like larger than life character. Dr. Robotnik was pretty fun. Um, yeah, I forgot I mean, Jim Carrey's think, in you know, that, re- right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, the redesign of the animation, I mean, looked pretty good. Like, I mean, I don't have any real complaints. No, I thought it was a great little film. I'm saying it's not going to blow you away, but it's keep, no, your, keep your expectations low. It's no Detective yeah. Pikachu? <laughs> yeah. Is that what you're saying? Oh, man. Yeah. That was also really fun. I'm just trying to think of like what, yeah, I guess those are kind of the... The two that I can think of that are more in this kind of not fish out of water, but like fish in the Warner Brothers um, animated world. I don't know. That Just makes like sense, though. <laughs> <laughs> trying trying to think of like the uh, a current version of what the mask or like Space Jam or Cool World like what these this trying to connect live action and animated worlds because that's still what the mask feels like to me a lot at its core. The cool thing I like about the mask um, is that, you know, you talked about like these animated characters and that I guess, you know, Jim Carrey's character, the mask, you could have animated him like cool world style, but they went mm-hmm. in there for all the latex, all the, you know, the ma- like yeah. four hours of makeup or something like that. So it's, it's kind of cool that, you know, you still have this like living, breathing actor who's doing everything he can to get a laugh. And the animation is kind of more for like, it's more ornamental in a sense mm-hmm. where it's like it's supporting. Yeah. Yeah. It's his guns or it's like his like little weapons or like little like, um, you know, horn that he honks or stuff like that. So um, <laughs> I, I don't know. It kind of works for us in the sense that it's like, it's just enough animation to like kind of do those things that you can't do, but you know, you're still getting your money's worth Jim Carrey wise. Which is really what this movie is about. <laughs> is it like, is it like, it wasn't, you know how a lot of films now, if they're going to have a villain or some character, like the character's like pure CGI. It's like, oh no, it's Doomsday or whoever. And it's like, yeah. and they're just like reacting to a tennis yeah. ball and you feel it. That, that uh, has been such a bummer. 
I, I'm sure, <laughs> yeah. like, if they had more technology, you know, and this film was later, they probably would have maybe animated his face even more than it actually has. But I think what Harper was saying is that the fact that you still see an actor coming through, this, like, green, like, takes mask, I don't know, it just sounds, it seems a little grounded, it seems a little more funny, especially with the person behind the mask. Yeah, I mean, his talent, it, it just shines through. It's one of my favorite uh, bits in this movie, actually, is so he... Early on, we find out that his car is in the shop. He's being taken advantage of, and he's offered the loner vehicle that mm-hmm. he goes out for a night on the town in, and it is this beautiful rust bucket that is falling apart, like, just mile by mile. It's just, like, evaporating in terms of a car. And he has, like, this kind of angry breakdown on a bridge where he kicks the car, and it spends, like, 30 seconds just falling apart piece by piece in front of him. And it's all practical. And it's one of my favorite bits in this movie. It just looks, <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's the, the practical rigging in this, in this, in this movie are really good aside from the CGI and the so animated bits. One of, like, one of the things that stands out to me as, as a missed opportunity in the mask is that so much of the world's, <laughs> Like when when the character the mask is not in it is still kind of a cartoon. Like Jim Carrey's still doing physical comedy as Stanley Ipkiss in like exaggerated moments because that's who he is and that's that's what he does. Uh, so you don't really have like as much of a clear. I mean, if if the movie has an arc for Stanley Ipkiss about him kind of gaining confidence, uh, and yeah, that's mostly he's just a more confident person by the end of it. Um. Maybe, maybe there should be m- more of a marked difference between Stanley Ipkiss and The Mask. Really? Um, was there some examples that you're thinking of that where he's like really Stanley? So Ipkiss it's not. Well, yeah, there is. Um, I mean, a lot of it's just I wish Jim Carrey like played down the Jim Carreyness of the normal character. Uh, when Cameron Diaz comes in, like Jim Carrey like pretends to eat his tie because he's nervous. And, uh, like, hang himself and doing bits, or even as he's going to the scene that uh, Gavin just said, like, he almost he almost gets hit by a car, and he's like, whoa, whoa, and, like, spins around, and it's just it's just exaggerated Jim Carrey movements. Like, I'm nitpicking, I, I understand that, sure. but, like... I mean, and that's a valid argument. I mean, it, it's, you know, when we think about Jim Carrey and the character of The Mask, like, I can't, it's hard to imagine a lot more performances that are like higher energy when Jim Carrey is the right. mask. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, I mean, he's yelling, I mean, he's screaming. So, I mean, it worked for us in the sense that even though like, you know, Ipkiss is kind of like a bumbling, like kind of like straight man, it's like the mask was just so exaggerated that it's like, I mean, you can't, I even have trouble like imitating the mask, like that yeah. voice. It's just, so, I mean, it worked for us, but yeah, I mean, I could definitely say there could have been like a b- bigger contrast there. Maybe he is, you know, like, um, like you're right. That that tie business, maybe you take that away. Maybe you just kind of make him more introverted. Yeah. That would have probably worked more for you, say. No, that's a good point yeah. too. Is I was watching this again, and and I forgot like how Jim Carrey is supposed to be such a loser. Oh my god, look at this he's guy. He's a such nice a guy. He's like, he's a nice guy, and they always say, "Oh, Stanley, you're so nice." We should probably talk um, about. But that. you're right. It's just weird because it's like I'm still confused. Like why no one gives this guy like a chance? Like any woman? Like I said, like I don't know how tall Jim Carrey is. He's like six foot something, right? He's got a bank job, and he's he's like not he's a bad a looking guy. guy. He's not like wearing he's glasses. Movie star, handsome, yeah, he's a good looking. He is a good looking. Yeah. 
he's a good looking man. He doesn't have like acne everywhere. <laughs> Those are and, your And like terms, even in the yes. beginning, he gives this girl. Yeah, or, like he he gives this girl like uh, tickets to a concert, and the girl's like, "Oh, I'm never." <laughs> the the thought of them going together was like so preposterous. The Matt, he's a kind of cool character. He's kind of funny. He does these little moments of tie gags and all this stuff. So it's like, I, I'm surprised that everyone looks at him such like a dork. Like there is interesting. We were reading about uh, the other casting ideas for this character, and who was it from? Um, it like. Um, Steve Martin. No, but who is the uh, the guy from like uh, Big Little Little Giants? Uh, uh, oh, Rick Moranis. Rick Moranis was a, a thought. Oh, interesting. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I could see a Rick Moranis character. I was like, no way, dude. But Jim Carrey's like cool. I don't know. I think he's still kind of cool in this movie. He just doesn't stand up for himself. Yeah, it's like liar, liar with like a little less confidence. You know, a what I mean? little <laughs> less. Like going back though to what you said, Gavin, that Studebaker scene where he like kicks it, falls apart, super funny. And then he goes, he gets the, the car from the, uh, the mechanics. But did you guys recognize, uh, that mechanic station? Sh- should I? Ghostbusters. Is it a Ghostbusters? Yeah. Oh, Ghostbusters shit. HQ. Yeah. yeah. This is a very LA movie. It, it, the it Coco is. Bongo. Uh, yeah. It's like <laughs> to mention, there's only one place they go, one club in town, Coco Bongo Club every night. Yeah. But it's so weird. What do they call it? Like Edge City or mm-hmm. whatever? Which is a jazz singer. Yeah. Out. And it, it's so weird because yeah, it's yeah. like the, the sky views or like the, um, this weird constructed yeah. like green screens them on a bench with like yeah purple yeah the cityscape is like New York but like you know like the downtown <laughs> like feels like L A but all these clubs are like super deco like Miami it's just it's Chicago yeah yeah Chicago too yeah yeah but uh yeah for some reason I always thought like the mask took place in Miami but then like going back I'm like oh Edge City <laughs> yeah I guess yeah. interesting I was trying the this whole movie to figure out if if the mask was telling a like a problematic nice guy narrative, or if I was putting, mm-hmm. you know, twenty years of of living around problematic nice guy narratives onto this movie, because I mean, this movie doesn't really do anything with the women in the movie. Like no. Cameron Diaz is great, but they're kind of reiting, uh, writing her to react to things rather than to be a character, which is. Very common, especially in in '90s comedies. The scene where uh, the mask Stanley Ipkiss brings the mask to a park bench to have a date, and he immediately comes out as a rapey Frenchman. <laughs> yeah, right. a few. He's, and he's Cameron Diaz is is not having it until suddenly she is <laughs> like, "Oh, that made me laugh," and now I'm on board. Yeah, this movie is all over the place. Like, especially for the time, like it just totally fails the Bechdel test or doesn't even get <laughs> close to it. You know, I mean. Yeah, the the, the the female characters are, are pretty much two-dimensional. Um, there's an interesting character, though, we thought was kind of bizarre, is that there's, like, that reporter, uh, like I think it's Peggy, mm-hmm. who's trying to find the story. Yeah. She's trying to get past, like, the columnist, and she got real news. And at the end, she totally betrays him. Like, it was just really interesting, because the idea is that she's got to save him from quick this, turn the cops, yeah. but then just turns him into the criminals because there's a bounty on his head. And it's like fifty thousand dollars, and I don't know why, but I watched it again. As I for when I was younger, I thought like she was like I don't know part of the gang or part of the evil people. But re- watching it again, she does it all just to keep her condo, which is kind of funny and kind of hilarious. Yeah. It was like yeah. whoa, this is like like I thought she was like had a bigger tie to the gang. Which like nah, I just need a little cash. You know how it is. It was like whoa, this is cold blooded. So I that was kind of cool for like. A, wo- a woman just saying, hey, I- I'm doing me. Forget you, dude. 
<laughs> the uh, the moment in this film that actually made me laugh the hardest is right after she betrays him. Uh, the mobster shows up and they're going to flatten Jim Carrey in some sort of industrial machine in the pre- the yeah printing press thing. Maybe? Yeah, and uh, she she yells to the mobster uh, who's Zed from Pulp Fiction. If we haven't mentioned that, that's <laughs> yeah. amazing. Yeah, uh, he yell, she yells. You said you weren't going to hurt him. And the camera, like, starts to push in, and I'm expecting, like, either a really cheesy or a really fun one-liner. And he just kind of he just kind of looks around and goes, I lied. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just the simplest thing you could write. And that made me laugh yeah, very it's hard. Good, it's a good one-liner. <laughs> Not for the right reason. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was great. No, I mean, I think that's intended. Like, that's yeah. – it's a good one-liner. It's not. That's why I'm just – I lied. It'd be maybe a good lighter if no one else had already done that, but that has to be, like, the 30th action movie to say, I lied. Well, and there's a lot of those in here that I wonder where, you know, this comes from in terms of, like, the I, – I, you promised you wouldn't hurt them. I lied. There's the, the villain setting up a tea – golf tea in another villain's mouth. That was great. As, like, a threatening punishment. And he's, you know, says, like, sometimes my aim gets bad. <laughs> um, I'm trying to remember what else. There's a bunch of those, like, great classic things that happen in this movie. And it was early enough me seeing them as a kid. Like, these, this feels like where they're from. Well, the thing is, is like, we were talking about is that the besides the hairdo, of course, was, like, ponytails galore. Like, hey, how long is your ponytail if you want to get into this gang and mullets <laughs> and whatnot? But the gang is, like... And the bad guys in this are like, like we were saying, like feel like a different movie. They're pretty hardcore. They feel like there's an, an like a Sylvester Stallone film or of that time period, or like trying to get Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I love it because they play it real seriously. And sometimes villains can be like goofy and they have like, they get knocked in the head and they kind of run around like crazy. But these guys seem like they're out for blood. And actually, speaking of blood, one of my favorite death scenes, I think in, in movies in general, is after they mess up with the bank robbery and one of the bad guys, I think he keeps calling himself the doc. Oh yeah. The doc's in the building. He's going to handle it. He gets shot by the cops and he's dying. And they're like, who did this to you? His death scene is awesome. I don't know. They, the way they shot it, he lights a cigarette mm-hmm. and just falls out of his mouth. Oh man. I was like, this oh, is man. too good yeah. of a death scene you for such it. a silly comedy. Yeah. And they're like, who did this? And then he's like, uh, yeah. uh, uh <laughs> that guy. <laughs> <laughs> the, the guy the guy 30 feet from us uh, <laughs> dancing on the stage this movie's relationship with cops is also very very silly yeah the detective's second in command is one of my favorite things in this movie he just doesn't understand how police work works no and like Stan- stanley ipkiss has like the detective at gunpoint and he's leading forcing him to pretend to lead him out of the police station as a getaway and he's like, hey, hey, boss, where are you, ta- where are you taking Stanley Ibicus? And he, like, speaks to him in Pig Latin, but he's not fast enough to understand what he's saying. <laughs> and so he's just like, oh, Pig Latin, uh, I'll, I'll see yeah. you later. And they and get in the car, Jim and Stanley's driving, drive. and he just looks at him. He's just like, well, that's <laughs> weird. That must be a new way to do police work that I'm not aware of. That's kind of what the internal monologue is. So everyone <laughs> – well, I was wondering, like, we're all we're all filmmakers of, of – Varied degrees. I'm pretty much just behind camera now. But when a uh, when when a dog as talented as Milo comes up in a movie, mm-hmm. how impressed are you? I don't know. The the bar's Extremely. been set pretty high with uh, Wishbone for uh, <laughs> Jack Russell's. So <laughs> I don't know. That'd be, that'd be funny if it actually. I don't know. Like probably was, can't be the same dog. But no, it was good, man. 
I mean, Jack <laughs> Russell's between Wishbone, like the artist Jack Russell's did great in that. Um, Jim Carrey, like the mask, obviously Jack Russell's did good, but I think, I think the, the bars are pretty hard for, uh, Jack Russell Terriers. Shout out to Jack Russell's Uggo is the name of that. See, dog. that's a, a funny. I love when you say his name is uh, Uggo. I love when you see dogs in movies and they that for some have reason. the cast and they're always like, even this yeah. one's like Max as mm-hmm. Milo. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's always fun to see the real names. But it was super impressive though, especially the scene where yeah. he, uh, the dog like takes the keys from like the sleeping cop and like he's like balancing on like one oh, arm yeah. of the seat and he's able to pull him out. I mean, there's some like clever editing there, but it's still. Yeah. He also like understands and he just mishears him say keys and he thinks he says cheese. Like it's Which a is, smart dog. <laughs> the dog has also been trained cheese. to get cheese. That's what I ran out of. Like go to the counter, pick up some cheese with your mouth and bring it to me. I'm too lazy to get out of the couch. Have you worked with animals before in any of your movies? Gavin, I know you have. Have we? I'm yeah. I think. Yeah, what do you avoid kids and dogs? But uh, yeah. no, I don't. I don't think you yeah. have actually. Now that I think about it, I mean, we're well. That's the yeah. thing. I mean, when when you do in your career, at some points, you'll you'll. So in a situation like the mask, you are either impressed with how well trained the dog is, or you're impressed by how patient everyone on the film is. The it's film one of those is. two things. <laughs> I shot a movie with horses last week, and those two horses were just codependent, so even when you had a, a scene with one horse, uh, you would need to have the other one around as like his emotional support animal. It was, it was, it was fucking garbage. <laughs> Fuck that horse. Did you need both horses in each shot, or just like one had to be there all the time? No. Oh, man. One just had to, they're all, both of the horses had to be around or they would just like whinny and stop and just like shriek from 30 feet away. I was like, no, the other horse is behind a rock. Don't work with horses. Yeah. I worked on a movie with a, a monkey called, uh, what's what that famous it? monkey's oh, name? Yeah. Ghibli. <laughs> but yeah. And, um, yeah, and it was, it was the monkey from like Night at the Museum. The monkey has a much more impressive IMDb oh, yeah. than me. Well, it's the monkey or, from uh, Friends and the Hangover the Part 2. And is that right? The compassion? Yeah. It's a big deal, big deal monkey, fancy monkey, crystal, the monkey. (laughs) And, uh, yeah. So like part of it was like, you have a trainer there who's, you know, knows what they're doing. They know what the animal can do. They have a variety of treats because like, you're gonna have to inspire this animal for hours to keep doing similar things or different things. And it becomes really complicated. What was interesting to me too, was this monkey had kind of an understudy. So like, there was like both like a companion, but also trying to like train the younger monkey to act like the the, <sighs> the star monkey. Monkey mentorship you know, training, program. like the next. Yeah, How exactly. Is that not a movie? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and like the you know it's it's interesting. Like I was talking to the trainer a bit about it, and like you have to like you know at first you start him on peanut butter, then you got to move to different treats because you start running out. Like you, you just you, you got to get some sort of gas in the tank somehow to hit that you know, six to four hours or whatever you get of monkey time. I forget. And, you know, this dog manages to open a door in a very impressive way. It was a thing that, you know, yeah, just the amount of takes it must have taken or like the, the, the continuous jumping to get into the, the prison window. It's not a simple task. I'm always astounded by how, how difficult it really is to get animals to, totally to do what you want I them to do. I think there were a few sets coming up. I think even in film school where they had a, got an animal trainer on set. And it was like a pigeon guy. And, but in order to get the pigeons to stand mm-hmm. still, you'd have to like spin them around like 10 times and then like sit them down and then the pigeon would kind of fall <laughs> over. But, uh, 
yeah, man, you got to have a lot of patience and it's like, you got to talk to your AD and figuring out scheduling for that kind of stuff. Cause, oh boy. Yeah. yeah. And, and Jim Carrey, he seems to like, well, at least that golden year of 94, he worked with a lot of animals. I'm saying not only this dog, but uh, Ace Ventura, oh, yeah. obviously there's a plethora of animals, but his sidekick monkey. And I would say even Dumb and Dumber, he did have a parakeet. Mm-hmm. The head <laughs> fell off, but it was there for a second, you know. <laughs> Hedgehogs. <laughs> yeah, maybe since writer. Well, I, I think it's time to talk about how this movie held up and uh, debate whether or not it's still What's good. What's our ranking system, um, Gavin? How do we critique our, this? Our rating system is, is the mask still good? Is it better as a memory? Or is it something we should go around back, dig a deep hole, bury it, and never speak of it again? Um, I guess I'll, I'll go first. Uh. I I very much enjoyed watching this again. I it it was you know compared to again like a couple other Jim Carrey movies, it's not my favorite, but it's one that definitely stuck with me, even in like just silly one-liners of like smoking and uh, I'm trying P A R T Y <laughs> because I gotta. <laughs> um, it's 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 definitely and like the image of like the yellow zoot suit against the green skin. It's just like, you know, cemented in my brain. Um, it's definitely a movie of its time. I, again, I don't like the, the CGI. I don't count as a tack against it. I think it's perfect for what the movie needs to be. And it's hard to imagine a different time working for this movie because the, the temporal placement of this movie with like its music, the talent in front of the screen and behind the screen, that 90s like piercing blue moonlight that's brighter than the ambient of the room. It's it's like just part of this movie's DNA and it's, I think, what makes it charming and work. And I would say all that is, you know, didn't go away. It's still there. Um, but the movie almost like lives as a memory even when you're watching it because of how cemented in time it is. And... So I'm not going to say it's better as a memory because it still feels like one even when you're watching it. And I'm going I'm to say it's still good. I really enjoyed it. There are, it's not a perfect film, but like on a scale of one to three, like it's, it's great. Like it's, it's, yeah. The scale of <laughs> Well, our, 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 you know, our system is only three levels. So I'm going to go with the it's highest. System. <laughs> and maybe we'll just hop in here. Uh, I mean, I think we still enjoy it. Like obviously we kind of grew up with it, but even kind of going back and watching it, it's, um, feels a little ahead of its time in the sense that it's like a postmodern superhero film if you I mean if you want to call it that or yeah it's or still a, weird to think com- of it as a, a comic book film because yeah. it's like you, know, you have this character with these <laughs> yeah. powers and um you know I feel like so often like superhero films they're very black and white good guys are good bad guys are bad um but with this film you know mm-hmm. it kind of unleashes like I mean it makes very clear the id or like what you truly desire. And I mean, there's so many films that have done it since then and before it, you know, with like Watchmen or even like The Boys. And like, you know, what would you do if, you know, you were invisible or you were super strong or, you know, had all these capabilities? So I think it's just kind of interesting to like examine that and examine like the gray, you know. Um, yeah, Stanley Ipka says he's going to be a superhero and then he goes robs a bank, you know, because we need money. <laughs> you know what I mean? He wants to live this <laughs> lifestyle. So... Yeah. You know, it kind of deals with like the gray in like comic book movies, but it's also, I think, a super funny performance by Jim Carrey. And it's just super surreal. I mean, I think we have a soft spot for like blending, you know, the real with the surreal. And I think it does that nicely. 
And um, yeah, the hair and makeup. I mean, I think it was nominated for an Oscar for VFX. So um, yeah, it's got some things going for it. I think it's definitely an interesting film to watch. So what do you think? Yeah, oh, it's still good. Still good for us. Like, I could watch it tomorrow again, yeah. Yeah, I think it's still good. Uh, I think for so many levels. Just the performance, um, the concept, like Harv was talking about, has a good quality. Um, but I think it's one of those films that kind of, like, will live longer than a lot of, like, other comedies of its time because it basically almost is an animated movie. And I think in that sense, it's, uh, like kids or families could watch that. I know it has some adult themes and there's like some brutal parts, but even their most brutal parts are still kind of like tongue in cheek or still, I think go on that border where I still think it might be acceptable for kids. Yeah. Like I said, I remember this being seen as a kid and really enjoying it and seen as a doll. I still really enjoying it. But I think this is a, one of those almost animated films based almost on that borderline. It feels like an animated film that, kids will be able to watch further on sage please bl- 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 now yeah. destroy it sage, <laughs> our, our, our resident hater please <laughs> well no I, I said yeah maybe i said at the beginning i was trying to get a try to figure out why this movie uh doesn't quite work for me uh i think i got a, a little bit closer uh for one thing it it annoys me more often than it makes me laugh which is a pretty big problem for for a comedy uh i've got there there are there are obviously things i love about this movie and there are cackling moments uh but i just i could see so many ways that it could be better as opposed to just representative of the way that comedies especially jim carrey comedies are are made right at this time i feel like if this movie was made today it would have to be about something and i think at the end of the day the mask isn't really about anything stanley Ipkiss does technically go through an arc but i don't really see any any bigger themes at play it's a it's a subtle it's a mumblecore movie (laughs) yeah (laughs) this is the opposite of a mumblecore movie (laughs) a loudcore yeah (laughs) a screamcore movie yeah so i'm not i'm not gonna take it out back and shoot it (laughs) but like i might i might like maybe lock it outside and see if it sticks around or if it runs away. that's that's where i'm at yeah. is that a 2.5 okay. out okay. of three Fair or enough. a point five or better as, a memory? better as a distant memory maybe yeah. <laughs> how um, would you guys like to see this movie if it was remade today because everything you loved as a child will be fed back to you for profit want to hear my pitch we're reviving a canceled undercover police program from the 80s it's not a remake, it's a reboot. You see, the guys in charge of this stuff lack creativity. What the fuck is a reboot? And are completely out of ideas. We're working on this with a shriekle and more of a screamate. So all they do now is recycle shit from the past. They don't even make sequels. Expect us all not to notice. I like it. Another! Yeah, I mean, you know, it's so funny because we have heard, like, rumblings about... You know, them rebooting it, um, possibly, you know, with like a female lead. I guess that happened in the comic books. Um, yeah, because apparently in the comic book, the main character, Stanley Lee dies and his girlfriend takes over as the mask or something. So that is like a possibility right there. Yeah, that, but, that is a possibility. I mean, I heard that Jim Carrey might reprise the role if there's like some crazy auteur director, but he doesn't like to do sequels and stuff like that. But I think, you know, in our mind, it sounds kind of crazy. And we mentioned Beetlejuice earlier, but I think The Mask could be funny as like a Broadway musical. 
And like, because hmm. there are these yes. like big like set pieces, like the the Cuban Pete one, and then when the the dance scene, the Coco Cabana. So if you just like sprinkle in like a couple more musical numbers about like the characters want, and it's like you just have all these flashy costumes. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing it on Broadway. Like, I think that would be a fun way to rehash it. I can't really imagine another character or another actor, I should say, like playing the role the way Jim Carrey did. I mean, you could take mm-hmm. it. Not even Jamie. Kennedy. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, you could take it darker, <laughs> but we were thinking like a Broadway musical would be a fun way to, to reinvent this. That would also mean you wouldn't, yeah. you definitely wouldn't have to add, add more uh, layers because you'd have songs to, to fill it out. Yeah. You could, I say that as someone who loves musicals, but they all tend the to be pretty light. <laughs> Plus like the stage requires you to fill the space with physicality. Mm-hmm. So it's already, yeah, that's a pretty good fit. Yeah. So Broadway, we're, we're yeah. thinking Broadway. Mask on Broadway. And I think it's like a lot of the millennials like have kids now and if like, they want to take their kids to see, you know, silly thing for the nineties. Like, I mean, it could be like, you heard it here first, man. You can make some money on this thing. I would not be surprised if this did become a Broadway. I'm saying, I can't even see it though. Just smoking. You know? <laughs> smoking the <laughs> and musical? The, and the, 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 smoking the, the musical. You know, it goes down. The end. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready for that Western song when he's he's dying and, and then uh, everyone knows that, you know, after going to a couple, a couple times, you all stand up and applaud as an audience and then someone comes out with the, st- with the statue. <laughs> that would work much better for you me. Know, yeah. Live, I'm super into it. <laughs> how do you guys see it going if it was to be brought back today um it it's really hard because again i think a lot of the magic of this movie for me is like it's time and place in animation and performance history um like the tone that it rides like again you you can criticize it but like it's hard to imagine another tone working better i would and, and like kind of sage the way you mentioned it kind of makes me think of basically shoving the mask into a different storyline, which might be the right call. I'm trying to think of like if you take another movie that like works pretty well and adding an element to it and thinking of the mask more as an element, that could be fun. I just don't know. I'd had to have to really think about really changing the DNA of what this movie was. And it's taking sure. the parts that worked in this movie and adapting it to something else. And one thing I've been thinking about uh, with our discussion is I wouldn't want this to necessarily be like actually 2D animating the mask. So much of this is like it is about the physicality that uh, Jim Carrey can bring to the role. And it's about finding another actor who can has that kind of ability. I don't want him to actually turn into Bugs Bunny. I want to see what Bugs Bunny looks like as a human being. And that's kind of where that line needs to be for the mask and so i question and i'd be really interested to see because it's something i would love to see is what that would look like with modern uh cgi and effects i just um am hesitant and like a little uh nervous about what it would look like i guess that's fair i had my pitch is is somewhat similar it's like putting the mask in in other movies uh Going back to, was it the Big Head Killer? Yeah, I think it's Big Head or Big I, Head Killer, yeah. Yeah, yeah I want to see that movie. I want to see The Mask basically investigating and trying to catch a serial killer. I want The Mask in seven, <laughs> I think. Hmm. But with just just as wacky, like not taking things as seriously, I think you put that character in like a really dark movie and manage to balance out that tone. And there, there are there are examples of this reverse Chinatown. <laughs> you want the you want the yeah, I want, I want reverse Chinatown. Chinatown. You want the Zack Snyder cut of the mask? <laughs> <Yeah>. oh. No, <laughs> someone who understands comedy. 
<laughs> yeah. Zack Snyder doesn't think his movies are funny. I think yeah. they're funny. That was, I was so bummed when 300, like, you know, the movies after 300, you realize that he doesn't understand how great 300 is. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he doesn't know what makes 300 good. It's such yeah. a bummer. Yeah, it is, it is a bummer. And so yet he can make Owls yeah. of Gahul. Anyway, sorry. The I'm most epic Owl movie. movie. <laughs> I, have to say, I know I'm going on a limb here, but I think yeah. that is the most epic Owl great. movie ever yeah. made. Just from the trailer, I it's, can tell. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a good time. I, I do recommend Owls of Gahul. <laughs> Owls of Gahul. It is a good time. It's Zack Snyder's happy feet. It's, it's, it's a treasure. Is that a, I think that was just a too complicated a name. Owls of Gahul. I'm sure it's based on the book or whatever. Well, it's mm-hmm. the legend of the Guardians. <laughs> oh, oh that's right. The Owls of Gahul. <laughs> oh, oh, Didn't mean to shortchange that Assassination of Jesse title. James by the Owls of Gahul. Like, you know what I mean? Like... <laughs> <laughs> by the coward Owls of Gahul. <laughs> on the far side of the universe. <laughs> <laughs> so if you if you liked The Mask, which two of you did, what what else three of us. might you want to check out? <laughs> the three of you did. Two, two of your screens. <laughs> I, I would say... Space Jam, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and any James Carey, Jim Carrey movie from the nineties. I don't. You know what kind of gave me a little bit of flavor? Like we'll talk about like nineties comedies, like with like bigger, larger than life actors, like Night at the Roxbury. Like I, I don't know why, mm-hmm. but like so much of the mask was about like this character trying to get into this club and trying to be something he's not. Like it's not a yeah. direct. It's like apples to oranges, but like I don't know. If you like the mask, like Night at the Roxbury, you could probably get a kick out of it too, because it's just like yeah, these these losers who can't get into a club. I mean, which is pretty much the premise of the mask. Yeah, yeah. it is that like, That's and a good point. you you we kind of uh, we talked about it briefly, but like this is that post SNL Living Color. Like this is the movie, the time when like you know Ghostbusters had come out. All these improv uh, based comedians, or not not improv um, yeah. sketch sketch comedians had been blowing up and you know i'm trying to think of the more modern versions of that like i know is it david wayne um from stella has been yeah, directing yeah. a lot and oh, those wet hot american summers yeah i mean that that's kind of where i what i would recommend is check out wet hot american or check out strangers with candy yeah. which is not similar but like you know un, undervalued <laughs> that was a, a fun-ass show <laughs> okay <laughs> I'm going to obviously I'm going to recommend Airplane, <laughs> but I don't need to talk about it much. I'm going to throw a shout out to Hudson Hawk, a Which movie I that I forgot about for most of my life until the Flophouse and a couple other podcasts have covered it. So it's out in the podcast sphere now. Um, but that's also it's kind of Bruce Willis doing live action cartoony. Mm. It's not like a like a CG animated blends, but there are mm-hmm. moments where Hudson Hawk will fall into a chair and just go boing, 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 and just, just overact the with, physicality with his of mouth it. that that's what he does <laughs> no like the sound effect will be in there as oh, okay, he just okay, kind of okay. shakes Interesting. Um, it's a it's a goofy movie also go watch a goofy yeah. movie. a goofy movie pretty damn good uh did you did you i'm sorry i missed that did you say you grew up with that or you you watched it later hudson hawk oh that's a movie that i that i saw growing up i watched like two or three times <laughs> I was a I was a big Bruce Willis fan. I was too, and I, I bought that VHS in like high school and just never watched it. <laughs> but it's been like sitting on my wall for quite some time. Uh, let's let's check that out because I could not tell you if I'm going to like that movie more or less than when <laughs> I grew up. No, I never heard of it. I think Bruce Willis is in too many good movies for his lack of acting range. If you ask me, <laughs> <laughs> like I, like he surprisingly has gotten into a lot of good movies that I feel like. 
like someone of his caliber shouldn't have. And he's like, oh, I got in the sixth sense. Oh, that was cool. I got in the fifth element. Hey, that was cool. Like, I was like, it's like amazing. It's like, oh, I'm in Pulp Fiction. Hey, look at me. Like, I just like, whoa. Hey, like, look at me. I'm in like, Pulp Fiction. It's crazy. Like, <laughs> he's great in Die Hard, but like, so, I don't know. I'm always amazed by his career. I'm like, he, he, he I, he's in some of my favorite movies. I still like, I like him. He's good yeah. for what he does, but I still think that's like, yeah. it's amazing having yeah. gotten these. There's a really good argument to be had that like I've found myself more on the side of late like in later life is that you know actors don't need range. Mm. They need good they need a good casting director and a and a good director and yeah. to like find their niche and be really perfect for a role. It's not about being able to play different characters. It's about being able to play the character that's needed for that film. And sometimes you know that little window of range can fit some really good films <laughs> over a career. I watched three Bill and Ted movies last week. I can attest to this. <laughs> <laughs> so you watched the new one, huh? Yeah. Three too many. I did, yeah. How was that? We're, we're, we're prepping to record something about that in the near Ooh, future. We'll have, we'll have to keep, keep us tuned. We just watched uh, <laughs> Guest House on Parley Shore. So you know that was good. That Ooh. was his 2020 release. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. He's back. Yeah. Back from the dead. God, watching him like... I thought Pauly Shore was yeah. dead. I mean, he looks it. <laughs> oh. No, we love Pauly Shore. He's, he's still our favorite. But oh, yeah. He's great. Yeah, check that movie out. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for being on the show. Is there anything that you guys want to promote uh, for all of our countless listeners out there? <laughs> no, I mean... Uh, Who can count? Nothing to promote currently. But yeah, you could find us on uh, at PerezBros.com. Um, at Perez Bros on all the socials and and also I think we would like to promote one thing Gremlins one and two that <laughs> are a classic back to back the second one always gets better <laughs> all right well um, I've been Gavin Murray you can find me at Gavin V Murray on uh, a bunch of different things uh, I'm Sage you can find me at Hold for Plane and you can find us we got a website now stillgoodpod.com it's currently just a backlog yeah. of our episodes, but don't, who don't knows what the future is. <laughs> uh, the better, best way but... to get a hold of us is probably DMing us at StillGoodPod on, on Instagram. All right. Well, thank you guys so much again, and uh, let's do this again soon. All right. That's the end of the episode. <laughs> now we giggle uncomfortably till he stops recording. They call me Cuba Pete. I'm the king of a rumba beat. When I play the maracas, I go chick chicky boom chick chicky boom Yes, sir, I'm Cuban Pete. I'm the crazy man at the street. When I start to dance, everything goes chick, chicky boom, chick, chicky boom.